Hey, it's Andrew, and today on the show we have John Henwood, Director of Customer Success at Product Board. In this episode, we talked about how customer success has evolved over the past 10 years, how customer success's approach to increasing retention differs at a big organization versus an early stage startup, and how John prioritized his focus when he first joined Product Board. We also discussed why Product Board's customer success team handheld their customers through their onboarding process, how they measure success, and what was John's thought process when building out and scaling the customer success team at Product Board. As usual, I'm excited to hear what you think of this episode, and if you have any feedback, I would love to hear from you. You can email me directly on andrew at churn.fm. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and enjoy the episode. Today's episode is sponsored by Avrio, a collaborative insights platform built directly into your workflow. With a browser extension and web app, Avrio provides a new way to capture and share data analysis, user research, and learnings directly in context with your team. From data dashboards, Google Slides, and Slack threads, to inside of apps and team members' heads, Avrio captures all of your insights and creates a single source of truth. Visit avrio.com to learn how you can maximize your team's collective knowledge with Avrio. This is Churn.fm, the podcast for subscription economy pros. Each week, we hear how the world's fastest growing companies are tackling churn and using retention to fuel their growth. How do you build a habit-forming product? We crossed over that magic threshold to negative churn. You need to invest in customer success. It always comes down to, to retention and engagement. Completely bootstrap, profitable and growing. Strategies, tactics, and ideas brought together to help your business thrive in the subscription economy. I'm your host, Andrew Michael, and here's today's episode. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Hey, Andrew, great to speak with you today. It's excellent to have you. So, so for the listeners, John is the Director of Customer Success at Product Board, a product management system that helps you understand what users need, prioritize what to build, and rally everyone around your roadmap. Uh, Product Board has over 2,500 customers, including Microsoft, Zendesk, and Sprout Social, to name a few. And prior to Product Board, John was the Director of Customer Success for America's Field at Hootsuite, and he's also the co-leader for Pulse Local currently. So my first question for you, John, is like, how have you seen customer success evolve over the last 10 years, and what would you say has been the biggest change you've noticed? Yeah, it's a great question, uh, and thanks again, Andrew, for, for inviting me on. And so really when I think about customer success 10 years ago when you know, I, I was kind of getting into this world is back then we really think of customer success more as an account management function. Right? And we had this view of how do we, you know, churn and retention started becoming uh, on the radar of, of SaaS companies as a real value driver for how do we actually go to market? How do we help increase customer uh, lifetime value? And so we, we took the roles that we had engaging with the customers at the time, which were primarily the, the sales and account management roles, and we kind of layered on this additional function of, hey, maybe if we could help them get the best practices and uh, drive adoption forward, that might should be a leading indicator of, of helping them continue as a customer over the long term. I think that then evolved into much more of an integrated approach to how we think about different segments of the business and their role in how to actually drive value across the whole customer journey. And so that's when I think customer success started getting a bit more of a brand name within the organization in thinking like what role we play uh, in actually helping deliver outcomes for the 
for our customers. And so, you know, how, what role does marketing have to play in acquiring good fit customers? The same with sales. Uh, from a marketing perspective, also what product uh, marketing content materials resources do we have guidance thought leadership to help make sure a customer is actually educated in understanding how to use the product effectively and from a support perspective how do we go from being you know reactive to maybe a bit more proactive and actually creating a customer experience which lends itself towards having deeper engagement uh, across the user journey and so all of these are i think really being a big evolution in thinking about this cross-functional play in customer success, which I don't think was there um, 10 years ago. And I think it was pretty easy where customer success, when, when things are going well, everyone kind of holds their hand up and says, you know, well, it's because our department helped that. But when you know, things are going wrong with churn, customer success is always normally the one getting a finger pointed at them. And I think that's still something that customer success is fighting against. But it's definitely been an evolution that I've started seeing at the sea level. Yeah, absolutely. It's definitely one of those things that's come up from time to time on the show where like who owns churn and retention, it's typically like pointed towards customer success in organizations that are still trying to figure things out. And what the argument is obviously is like there's so many inputs, like customer success yeah. probably has the least influence of it. But they like I like what you said though as well, is like they're the ones that are the gel. And it almost feels like what you were describing was like they were taking components of each part of the cust- like the team's focus away from marketing or from product or from support. And really what the, the job of the customer success is that actual value delivering from the users, uh, from the user's perspective. So whether it's in marketing, it's like taking those functions of really looking at the content that we have to educate and help our users, whether it's in support to see how we can be a little bit more proactive and getting them set up and get to value. And like within product, what are those features uh, that we can be helping to get them to be adopted and to use? So, like you say, really being that glue. And then I think, unfortunately, they still have that thing now where they're the ones typically being asked to be responsible for general attention. But ultimately, sure. it's like everybody's job. And if anything, like they need to be fighting with all the rest of the organization to do their jobs to to bring down general attention. And yeah, I think we, we've definitely seen a big trend towards just getting better executive engagement now cross-functionally. And certainly at Product Board, that's something we're trying to do early is think about like different roles each leader has to play and make that a part of you know, their target around churn retention. And you know, one last thing I'll say on kind of some changes that have happened in the last 10 years is really, if I think about the last two, three years, and it's one of the main reasons I actually joined Product Board is this kind of product-led approach. Like everyone wants to be you know, a Twilio, a Zoom, Slack, for example. Yep. and really have this product-led approach to customer success and how we deliver value organically through the product and bridge that gap between what the product organically delivers and what customer success helps customers with. And that's been a really big initiative where I think there's tons of opportunities for product and customer success to work more closely and think about user journeys. And I think customer success has done a really good job in thinking about like our champions and how do we help enable our champion that, you know, if I'm a customer success manager, that one person I'm working with, or maybe that sponsor. But I think as we move forward, we're also going to be thinking more about like the user journey. Who is that end user at that, you know, company you're working for, whose user number like 77 uh, of the, the product you have, and how do we help them? And that has to be like a partnership with product around how we help those end users get success at scale. 
Yeah, absolutely. Because you can only speak to so many people. You can only interact like on a personal one-to-one. Uh, and yeah. it's definitely, like you say, I think something I've even noticed accelerate more now with the recent times and conditions is that sort of executive viewpoint and having alignments around children retention. Uh, I mentioned to you before we got on the show, definitely the show has had seen a huge spike in listenership. Now, obviously, a lot more people paying attention to it. And I think definitely like the customer success components as well has been getting a lot more attention uh, and the attention it deserves of late, which is pretty good to see. So. Uh, have you noticed a difference for yourself at Product Board or like you already had that strong mindset coming into it uh, prior to COVID? And uh... Yeah, I think we've definitely seen increased focus within the industry, like in the communities that, and network that, that I work within. Within Product Board, I think we've got a pretty good culture of really focusing on churn and retention. And that comes from you know, my boss, who's kind of the revenue leader at Product Board, was also my boss at my previous company, Hootsuite. Uh-huh. And you know, as we think about your organization, this is a key factor for me joining Product Board, is having an organization that I was going into that I know there would be a clear focus on retention, wouldn't have to fight some battles that so many others in the industry have to fight. Uh, and that's really important as you think about what organization you're joining, that there is this embedded culture in thinking about retention as a priority, not as an afterthought. Yeah, I love that because I think uh, for me, the, it's central to subscription business. I mean, ultimately, if you're not retaining customers, you don't have a subscription business. So if you if it's not a main focus for the company, then you have to worry about that something's going to come short at some point. So you mentioned Hootsuite a couple of times, actually, and I wanted to ask a question around this. Is definitely like from the perception, looking at it like Hootsuite, a uh, very big organization, very well established. Mm-hmm. You made a move now to product board. A younger, earlier stage startup now, like experiencing some good growth. Uh, what are some of the big differences you see between the two now when it comes to one, customer success, and then two, uh, retention and the focus and the areas where you're prioritizing at the moment? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. And as you said, Hootsuite was a pretty mature, you know, late stage organization, pre-IPO, $300 million in, in, in funding. And customer success was well over 100 um, individuals on the team. And I think going from that to uh, a smaller scale up like product board, on on the downside, I'd say one of the things you really notice when you're at um, a large organization is the cushioning and resources you have around customer success. Like we had an amazing content team at Hootsuite. From a product marketing perspective, we had, you know, for every feature release, for every you know, trend that's happening with the industry. We had a great content team that would churn out so many things that we could leverage within the customer success organization to help our customers be successful. And then as we also think about, you know, from a support perspective, a sales perspective, you know, we had very, we had a lot of breadth and depth within the organization in how things were, were built out. And so when you go to a smaller organization where you have probably less specialization in roles, that lends itself to needing people to have you know slightly broader roles and really be thoughtful about where do we want to start right when you join an earlier stage company there's so many things that you can tackle uh, and so many things that you need to tackle and prioritizing what to focus on first is being like a, a really interesting challenge for me to to move forward on but but you know when i was at hootsuite whilst it was really well built out some things it's hard to to move when there's like infrastructure and marrying to the status quo. And we we built a really successful organization. But uh, I often said that hey, if I could go back, knowing what I know now about success and how that's evolved and 
what I think a good success organization could, could look like. Once you've got over 100 people in an organization, it's pretty hard to actually rip out those foundations. And, and so I was really interested to go back and when there is no marrying to that status quo, to build something from the ground up without some of the same bureaucracy that you might get. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Uh, you said as well that you now sort of having in a smaller team, having to prioritize and a bit, be, be a bit more ruthless in the activities and the things that you work on. Uh, and you found this a bit of a challenge now coming in at Product Board to decide on what to work on first. What did you decide? Like, what was the first things when you came in and said, okay, like, these are the one or two areas like we really need to get uh, strong on when it comes to our customer success? For sure. Uh, I think when you, you look into build out success, function within the business uh, and anytime you're really looking at customer success strategically i think the first question you have to ask is you know what type of customer success team do we need to be to get customers to the value they're here for right and that can mean different things to different organizations different products the level of maturity of the market and so when i came in uh, i was asking those questions like where are the gaps today and i started by looking at who are our best customers like who's getting the most value from the product why is that you know, what are they demonstrating? What actions are they taking? What is it about them that make them so? And then on the flip side, like who are the customers who are struggling the most, who aren't getting value, uh, whether it's like firmographically or behavior-based engagements that are driving those actions, what makes them so? And so based on that, really, it was clear that there was a really big lever, unsurprisingly, in our onboarding process. And that's probably you know, something that's not a, a surprise to anyone in customer success, but I made a pretty big bet that we could dramatically reduce churn by focusing on our onboarding process. And the reason being is Product Board is an incredibly flexible product in a market that is still very much emerging. Right? Product management, there's some set frameworks, but there's still lots of discrepancies in how people think about going to, to market with a product management function. And they were coming into the product and really not knowing where to start. And they're trying to bring like bad or no process into a good product and expect a good outcome, which is not a recipe for success. And so we really focused on how do we help educate them, get them up and running and, and avoid that blank page problem at the start to help drive them forward. Yeah, absolutely. I think in terms of like impact, when we talk on the show and it's always like the three, there's three main areas and improvements you can do to reduce turn and definitely like onboarding is always number one, whether it uh, is sort of like a self-serve or if it's a customer success, like a high touch uh, model, it's always the number one area. I think that comes up as like a great way to make an improvement and to see things. So talking specifically about this then, like, what were some of the things you started working on when it came to onboarding from your perspective? Like, did you go high touch, low touch? Like you mentioned, you decided and you like try to understand who the ideal customer was. But what was the framework for like trying to roll something like this out? Did you go about testing different variations? What did it look like coming into protocol? Yeah. Um, so it started by, to your point, like segmenting our customers. So we, we tried to understand like what experience does each of these customer segments need to be successful and like what are the natural breakpoints where uh, there may be different experiences required uh, and based on that we then orchestrated these, these different experiences and we're tied really closely at the hip with our growth organization and I think that's something success teams to my earlier point around like being closer to product could really benefit from doing because they take an experiment experimental mindset every day 
And so they're looking at like, what are, what are the uh, setup moments that customers uh, have in the product that lead to you know, that aha moment that everyone talks about, which then you know, can lead to like a habit moment for customers. And so we did a project called like Smart Touch. We really looked at the data and, and tried to determine like, what are those metrics along that funnel uh, in the user onboarding. And that was, again, a cross-functional initiative of product growth and customer success that tried to understand what, what those moments are and then how we can better get customers to those motions through both like in-product engagement uh, and outside of product engagement like email. And, and then yourself, are you doing any sort of high-touch customer success now at Product Board where setting up calls with teams, onboarding specifically, or is it mostly low-touch and uh, really trying to make sure they have the materials and education and seeing how you can automate most of it? Yeah, we do, we do the, the whole spectrum. So we go from like low one-to-many approach and all the way up to a like very high enterprise touch. And one of the things you know, in building out the customer success organization is building out a, a services function. We've got an amazing services leader that worked with previously at Hootsuite. Uh, and we have a solutions architect function that actually sits within customer success, which is a little unusual. It normally sits in, in sales. But what we found is you know, we have this really strong trial motion. So all of our revenue comes from a, a two-week trial which may get extended if we're running a proof of concept with the customer or going through a sales cycle. And prior to, to me joining, what was happening was customers were going through these sales cycles, onboarding into the product uh, and going through a sales motion, signing a deal, and then we would implement our onboarding program, at which point they may have been in the product for a month or two months, set things up wrong, already got frustrated uh, and were off to a bad start. And so we just made a bet that we wanted to start our customer success journey the moment the customer's journey starts in the product. And so we made a big bet on bringing in a solutions architect function early in the process to handhold customers through this onboarding process and, and essentially start the activation work immediately. And that starts with you know, a lot of the change management that needs to happen to onboard customers successfully onto the product. I think that's something you know, to bear in mind as you think about your own product is you know, going back to that, what does it need? What do we need to be to make a customer successful? And what we really found was that it wasn't just the product enablement. We really need to up-level our customers and how they think about product management, right? So that they have the processes that they need to then transfer that into the realities of the product. And so we get in there very early and help them think through those strategies, even created a, what we call a product excellence consultant role, which is a domain uh, expert who can help them think through those things that we can then uh, put to practice in the product. It's very interesting that you say that and sort of uh, looking at the stage at which you start interacting early, because I think similarly, this is something that Segment came out and realized as well. In the show, like uh, we interviewed, and one of the things was that like adding a little bit of friction to the onboarding and sort of not allowing customers to run ahead and get started and get set up before they actually had a good plan in place or good education on how to use the tool effectively, uh, counterintuitively, like actually helped increase retention. Whereas most people always like try shy away from adding friction to any of the onboarding experience and they want to get them yeah. to, to value as much as possible. So interesting that you saw something similar as well. Um, yeah, it's definitely a balance between friction and, and you know, reducing friction and then also getting the information you need to help the customer. And, you know, at the end of the day, we should know better than the customer. We've onboarded more people onto the product than they have. So uh, it's yeah. something that we can be prescriptive about. 
And then when you sort of look at the, you say, so you have the full spectrum of like high touch, low touch, and you're working with different customers and segments in different ways. Like what does the process go like in terms of deciding how you prioritize each segment when it comes to high touch and low touch? Like, did you have any specific bar that you set for yourself, whether it was revenue, company size, like what was the segmentation looking like when you decided, okay, which type of business deserved which type of customer success experience? Yeah, it's a good question. And I think, you know, I see other organizations are different ways in like segment, maybe it's by ARR, maybe it's by company size or potential like upside opportunity or maybe a mixture of all those. And you know, we have different plans that people can sign up for with, you know, along those axes, like different ARR and different companies can sign up for those plans. And from my perspective, it was really thinking about like, again, going, what experience, what's the biggest determinant on what experience the customer needs to be successful? And for us, that was the number of what we call maker licenses, which are like the core licenses that you can buy as a product manager, regardless of plan. So regardless of which plan you buy, we will serve you based on how many maker licenses that you have interacting in product board. Because we felt that was the biggest determinant on how much hand-holding human interaction, how complex your implementation would be. And so we're, again, we're not being discriminatory against how you buy, whether self-serve or sales-led engagement. Like, why would I ever penalize a customer because they self-serve online and actually were a cheaper sale, right? Like, great. Like, I'm not going to penalize you for doing that. And uh, that was the kind of main dimension by which we uh, segmented. And then we found kind of the lines in the sand based on what we thought we could, a reason we deliver at some like, you know, unit economic cost-effective way. And, you know, something we will always iterate as we go forward and upmarket. Cool. So there's a couple other questions then on top of this that I wanted to ask. And the one, like, I think they both fall under the category now of like building out and scaling the customer success uh, team. So the first maybe to start with on this then is actually like thinking about the context of retention and having the discussion earlier that it's often like lives on customer success's shoulders to try and move the number, but ultimately it's very difficult for them to do on their own. When it comes to churn and retention though, what are some of the metrics that you're setting for your team and trying to get alignment across the organization for? And what would you say your team is ultimately responsible for? Yeah, so we're responsible today, you know, from a, you know, that lagging indicator perspective, like we look at gross retention and that's our, our primary metric. Uh, I fully understand that like net dollar retention is like a North Star metric from a SaaS business perspective and driving like valuation and everything else forward. But, yeah. you know, net retention has, you know, a couple of elements of that formula, one of which is gross retention. Uh, and so it was really important for me to think about I just want to move one piece of this at a time. Otherwise, from a leader perspective, your message can get convoluted. And so we're focusing mainly on like, how do we keep more customers? And then as we mature, we'll focus on like, how do we now we've kept more customers? How do we then create expansion motions to move them forward and, and increase the net retention element of that? So that's our biggest lagging indicator. Then from like a leading indicator, we've created like programmatic health score for customers, which is built on a benchmark on our customers' engagement against peers, so people within their tier, their segment, as well as engagement against themselves, like what their past behavior was, their adoption, and then we have a CSM sentiment element to its qualitative. And so we're actually looking at like what's the health of our cohorts going forward as a leading indicator, as well as you know how well are we engaging our customers, how well are they engaged with us, as being like yeah. some metrics that we look at more on the leading indicator side. And you know I 
you know, there's also some, I guess, subjective elements that come into it. And I frequently get asked, you know, from a customer success management perspective, you know, what makes a, a good CSM? And from a lead perspective, how do I know if we've got a good CSM or what, what to hire for from a yeah. customer success management perspective? Uh, and we we're talking just before the show and I recently created a, you know, a CSM competency matrix. And I, I really think that as a, there's several things that the ideal person would have and would be demonstrating to know that, hey, they're actually being successful and doing a good job. Like, and it's unfair that anyone would do all of these things, by the way. So one, they would be you know, a domain expert. They would, really, they would have done the job of our customer, right? What, you know, for us, whether that's product management, for anyone else, whatever domain you're working in, yeah. they would be a great manager. They'd be able to build relationships. They'd be able to mitigate poor relationships and turn those around. They would have some good product technical background they probably understand you know apis or have some soft engineering background they would be a great communicator and be able to take complex topics and make them simple and actually create change um by persuasive and how you communicate Uh, and there'd be a great change you know a change and project manager right like how do we actually think about creating habit forming products and how do we actually help drive new habits with individuals at different levels within the organization. And so there's all these things that someone in customer success could be great at. People will have different flavors of those things. And as you're building out your own success organization, it's really important to think about like, based on where customers are getting tripped up or where we're failing today, like which elements of these are really important that we need to actually focus on where we want to, A, like reward people for doing good work, B, like hire, talent around or develop talent around uh, and so yeah it's something that i thought pretty deeply about going forward with product board around how do we actually build out a team that's well-rounded across yeah. all of these functions so that we have these different expertises within the team that can help up level others around i like that sort of a similar approaches like the t-shaped marketer the buffer and a lot of other companies have adopted where really identifying what are the key strengths you need within the team and then seeing like where the gaps lie but also like that you also mentioned like looking at your company specifically and seeing like which of these skill sets do we need to have most it also yeah. i'm glad you mentioned that, that not every person has uh, needs to have all of these because it almost feels like you described six different roles in one uh, I'm, going I'm, absolutely there's no unicorn with all those things i'm very open about right. saying that but yeah as you said like maybe you have a you you know your product uh, is for devs or engineers right and that you might need to have a real product technical expert in that role which is more of like a technical account manager role yeah that's great that's where we're going to focus all of our efforts and maybe some other pieces are in the background for us what we noticed is as i said like the maturity of the product management world is actually relatively low and where our product is somewhat ahead of the market so domain expertise actually selling the value of hey here's how you should be thinking about your practices was really important so I weighed that really heavily. And as we think about how to enable our team, it's how do we give them the training, the guidance to help up-level themselves so that they can be in a position to be successful. And so again, just thinking about what that means to your organization is really important in building out uh, the, your customer success function so that it's productive in actually getting the outputs that you're looking for. Cool. And, and those are like sort of the core competencies that you look for then. Uh, does that differ between sort of individual contributor tracks and leadership tracks or is it the same uh, both sides? Yeah, I think I really like from going from individual contributor to leader. I think it's really important that you are good at the job. I think as you, th- especially as you think about like being a good coach for people on your team and building trust, I think it is important that 
you understand how these things operate and the people on your team know that you can uh, do those functions. Yeah. And so the only other things I would add, like foundationally, uh, as you go from individual contributor to leader is, you know, you want to be doing the job or part of the job above you before you go into it, right? You want to be able to demonstrate that you're actually doing parts of those things. So anyone who's looking to go into a leadership position, I'd be asking them like, how frequently are people already coming to you for questions or for coaching or where are you doing these things already? Or where are you already thinking about how we can better improve our processes, our systems? And so that's really important to think about if you're an individual contributor role, like how much is that organically happening so that you can just be top of mind for anyone going, yeah. uh, if there's a leadership opportunity open. Um, and then the only other things I, you know, I, I'd be thinking about are some foundational traits as well. Like, are you a good team player? Do you have good time prioritization management? Uh, are you someone who can actually make decisions, right? Like when you go into leadership role, it's really important you're able to look at a whole myriad of options, data, inputs, and be able to prioritize like of these things, here's like the key things that we need to work on today. Um, yeah. And then lastly, like, are you someone who takes accountability? Right? In customer success, like every interview I do in customer success, you know, I'll ask them like, hey, when, when was the last time a customer churned? And tell me about that, why was that? If at no point in that story, does that person have any self-reflection on any part they had to play and they blame it on product or marketing and nothing else, then uh, that's someone who probably yes. won't be a good fit. Yeah, for sure. Interesting as well. And then talking about accountability, actually, it's a good segue to the next question that I ask every guest. Uh, let's imagine sort of a hypothetical scenario that uh, you've joined a new company and churn and retention is not doing great at this company and you've been asked to be held accountable. Uh, here comes the segue for churn and retention, but the CEO is looking to get some fast results and they're looking to sort of see the number move in the first 90 days that you're what would you want to be doing with your time during those 90 days to try and make a move on the number at all? Yeah. And so it would depend on two things. One, if my window, my tenure was only 90 days and I'm gone at the end of that 90 days, I, I would first do something completely unscalable, depending on like the volume of customers we have, where I would get myself and everyone else just to simply call every single customer we possibly have to understand where they're challenged and where we could possibly help them. If I had a longer tenure in the 90 days, I'm thinking more like the, the longer term impacts. It has to start with learning from the customers. So I'd be, I have to tell you what I did at Product Board because that's the only fair way to, to say what I would do. So it start by looking at what data do we already have about our customers, about where they're being successful, where they're not, what do they need, and mixing that with some quantitative and then qualitative data where I'd want to actually pick up um, the phone, call those customers, or use a system of record that maybe we already gather some of that quantitative input around where they're getting tripped up. If I don't have the sufficient data, and uh, one of the things we actually did at Product Board, uh, and I know you had uh, Raul from Superhuman on recently, was ask that Sean Alice product market fit question. So we surveyed, I surveyed all of our customers and asked them, you know, how disappointed would you be if you can no longer use Product Board? You know, very disappointed, somewhat disappointed, not disappointed at all. And then a follow-up question, what's the biggest benefit you get from Product Board or what's anything we could do better for you? You know, we got nearly 500 responses. I went through every single one of those responses, got a ton of good quantitative data and, and comments as well to go with it, where we then, I shared that with marketing, product, growth, sales. Everyone had an amazing understanding what's paired with the information we also have from Product Board itself around product feedback and where customers need help to then actually understand how do we get more customers to uh, the key benefit 
that our primary customers are seeing. And we started with the moderately disappointed ones. Those are the movable metal, the ones that are more likely to be able to change. And right now, my whole team is focused on how do we move those into you know, someone who would be very disappointed if they can no longer use product board. And that's where we're prioritizing our actions today. And then the last thing I would do, uh, which is something we did do, was build a customer success mission statement. You know, I, as you said, I've been a success organization. It was much more mature as an organization that went through a lot of growth. And customer success can get pulled into many different directions into being more sales oriented, for example, or maybe it's more support oriented. And it's really important that you have some North Star, that as things grow, as the team scales, that you have some center of gravity around what it is you're doing, why you're doing it. And so having understood all those things, I would, I would build that and that's what we do with product board. Very nice. Uh, I love how you've also taken sort of that product market fit and use it as a prioritization framework for which customers to focus on. Because I think listening to that episode of Raul, it's something I actually also recently launched at Hotjar uh, as part of some work we were doing from a like go-to-market exercise. Obviously, Raul talks about it in the context of products and uh, making changes and things. So uh, it is, a, I think it feels like a very, very useful tool to get a good grasp of how you can prioritize on your product changes, but like you say, like which customers should you be focusing on? And so definitely I recommend if you haven't heard that episode, like listeners like go out and listen to Raul's episode was was fantastic uh, on the topic. It's a great one. He's such a smart guy. I love every every piece of content he puts out. He puts out, yeah. I have the, the feedback we've been getting on that's been really good. So I see as well, we're running a little bit up on time here, John. Like, I, Is anything from your perspective you think that we haven't really covered and looking at your sort of career to date, really like strongly focused on customer success that you would leave as like a strong message for the listeners when it comes to trying to improve these numbers? I think, you know, customer success is really the reimagining of things that have happened over many years and decades before, right? It's not new. It's just an amalgamation of, of lots of things. And I think people can maybe overthink it from time to time. And so I think just do the simple things excellently, right? Like how do we actually like future-proof our, our business by you know, training for skills that don't change frequently, right? Like how do we help our team be better communicators? I talked about communicating complex things in a simple way. How do we actually help be you know, our team be persuasive, right? In how to actually help make change within an organization. And how do we focus less on like downstream activities and more upstream? I see so many things in success talk about like, you know, at-risk plays or like what to do when a customer says they want to churn. And those are, those are okay, it's fine. But like how many times when a customer says they want to churn, do you actually end up turning them around? Like not often. So I think the more we can go upstream, and is, is something that I would recommend to, to any successful organization. I like that as well. Just keeping things basic and uh, really not overcomplicating things because definitely, especially at the earlier stage, you might have like a million ideas, hear a, different, a load of different stories, but really keeping core and keeping things simple is great. I think maybe last question then for you for today uh, is what's one thing that you wish more people would ask about uh, when it comes to customer success, but they don't? what role can I play in also helping make customers successful? <laughs> nice. I like that. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, well, like I said, it's been a pleasure having you today, uh, John. Uh, is there anything sort of final thoughts you want to leave the audience? How can they keep up to speed with what you're working on? Anything you'd like to share with us before we drop off today? 
Yeah, for anyone out there, always open to chat with the community. Feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. You know, pretty easy to find and always open to conversation with those out there in the industry. Awesome. Well, thanks so much for joining the show today and uh, wish you best of luck now going forward as you build out the team and product board. Awesome. Thanks so much, Andrew. It's been great. Appreciate it. Cheers. Bye-bye. And that's a wrap for the show today with me, Andrew Michael. I really hope you enjoyed it and you're able to pull out something valuable for your business. To keep up to date with Churn.fm and be notified about new episodes, blog posts, and more, subscribe to our mailing list by visiting churn.fm. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our show on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you have any feedback, good or bad, I would love to hear from you. And you can provide your blunt, direct feedback by sending it to andrew at churn.fm. Lastly, but most importantly, if you enjoyed this episode, please share it and leave a review as it really helps get the word out and grow the community. Thanks again for listening. See you again next week.